Great to have you with us this morning, uh, whether you're here on our Canandaigua campus, online campus, Hopewell campus. It is great to, to be in December. Uh, for me, uh, as with Chris, he shared it's his favorite time of the year. It's my favorite time of the year. I've been listening to Christmas music since about October. And, uh, and so now I get to play it and not people think I'm totally crazy. And so that's nice. I, I like most things about the season, to be honest with you, almost everything. I enjoy the giving and exchanging of gifts. I, I love that that whole time. Uh, but to be honest with you, it can be a little stressful to me, um, you know, because for me, I want to make sure I'm giving a gift that's of the same value that I'm receiving. And, and I know it's not about that, but it's still in my mind. And, and, and one of the things I don't like is, is like the white elephant gift thing. Some people love that. How many of you guys love white elephant gift stuff? Yeah, not me. I don't. And, and the worst is when you actually bring something that's totally ridiculous, which is the purpose of a white elephant gift, but someone brings something really cool. And you're passing around, you're like, oh my goodness, someone brought something really nice, and mine is really lame, you know? And so that sort of stressed me out a little bit. And so as we're looking at this series, Gift Exchange, and Bay did a great job kicking the series off for us last weekend, um, I just want to let you in on something, that if you haven't already realized it, when we make a gift exchange with God, he's always going to give us a greater gift. So we shouldn't even worry about it. He's always going to give us a greater gift. It's just the way it is. But, but I do like to give and exchanging of gifts. I, I like this season for, for, for many reasons. I like the music. I like the decorations. I, I like everything from the really cool-looking decorations to the really tacky. I mean, that's how much I like it. I just love the whole thing about the season. But if we were to be honest, uh, it can be stressful, too. It, it can be stressful. We're rushing from event to event. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're trying to find a perfect gift for our loved ones. Maybe we're stressed about money and time. In fact, I've heard it said, and I believe it's true, that during the Christmas season, our joys are magnified, but so too are our worries. Let me say it again. During the Christmas season, our joys are magnified, but so too are our worries. In fact, I came across a survey. It was a survey done a couple years back that said that 88% of our culture is stressed during the Christmas holidays. 88%. And I was thinking through that, just the practical implication of that. And what I realized is if like you went to a small group this week of like 10 people and you're not stressed, you may be the only one in the room not stressed. Think about it. As a matter of fact, if you're not stressed, and by the way, I'm not, I don't feel stressed right now, so if I was, I'd be that person. But if you're not stressed and everyone else is, have you ever noticed when you're really in a good mood and no one else around you is, how annoying you are to them? So if you leave a small group and you're thinking, what was their problem? Probably they were stressed and you weren't. That, that may be what was going on there. And they just needed the non-stressed person to come and bring some joy into the room. I don't know. But 88% of our culture is stressed. And I was thinking about worry. And what is worry? And I want to give you a definition, sort of a working definition of worry. Worry is dwelling on the future without an awareness of God's presence and workings, picturing a potentially negative outcome. I've never worried about something where I saw God do the miraculous in my mind. I've never worried about something that I saw an obvious solution for. Is that true with you? I worry about things. I find myself trapped into worrying about things where I don't see God working. I don't see a way out. I don't see how God's going to show up. And so worry is, is, is really dwelling on a future without an awareness of God's presence and workings, picturing a potentially negative outcome. And each of us has wrestled with worry. But the good news, and what we're going to look at this morning, is that God wants to do a gift exchange with us. He wants us to give him 
our worry and him give us his peace. Isaiah 9, 6, we read of the coming Messiah and listen to what the prophet Isaiah writes. He says, for us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. One of the descriptive titles of Christ is, is Prince of Peace, and Jesus is the, the lasting peace. But more than that, the, the use of peace as a, as a title description of Christ also conveys that not only is Jesus the Prince of Peace, but his kingdom is characterized by peace. His very kingdom, characterized by peace. And that word peace that, that Isaiah uses in the Hebrew is very specific. It's the word salam. And the word salam, it, 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 it represents, yeah, the absence of war and controversy, but it's much richer than that. It speaks of a harmonious nature, a positive well-being. And so when we speak of Jesus being the Prince of Peace and his kingdom being characterized by the shalom peace, it's not just speaking of peace that, that comes because everything around us is calm. It's a calmness that comes because of the one we put our trust in, because of who God is. In fact, what, what does this mean for the Christian? What does it mean for a follower of Christ? Well, for those of us in Christ, believers are offered a future peace as we spend eternity with Christ. But we're also challenged to bring peace into the chaos in which we exist as we pray and as we live, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as well as provided the opportunity to possess this peace even amidst the ups and downs of life. And so when we speak of the peace that we see in Scripture that's offered to us, this great exchange, we give God our worry, he gives us his peace, we discover that there's this future promise, that there will be a day when we come and live in paradise with Jesus where there'll be no chaos, there'll be no ups and downs. How many of you are excited about that? No worry, nothing to worry about, nothing to stress about, that's paradise. The problem today is this is not that place. And so we're challenged to really partner with God to say, well, we can bring a piece of heaven into the relationships that we find ourselves. In fact, I try to remind myself quite often, by the way, because I need reminded quite often, Craig, don't add to the chaos. Bring peace into the chaos. Like, don't add to it. Just bring peace into it. Allow for that Spirit calmness that comes from Christ, bring that into the situations around you. And it's only possible because of the promise we find in Scripture that God's peace can actually come into our life today. Like, not in a way it's going to be in paradise where, where, it's, where, it's, where it's unhindered and, and, and there's no chaos sort of attacking our peace, but it, but it can be a, a peace that we have amidst the ups and downs that we find in life. And we receive this peace when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, but also as we make a significant exchange with him. And Paul writes about this exchange. In fact, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible that speaks of, of this interaction between what we do and what God does in us. It's Philippians 4, 4 through 9. And listen when he writes about this exchange of giving God our worry and him giving us his peace. He writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have heard and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you also. Now, by the way, this passage is one that is extremely encouraging to me, and at times gives me a holy ouch. Like There's parts of it that, that I just see the promise of God for this exchange, and yet when I look at it, especially when it's saying, are you thinking about these things? Is that list of things that's in there? Uh, are you thinking about things that are honorable and just and pure and lovely? You know, there's just some times, right, where, where, where I look at that verse and I go, ooh, ouch. I don't know if my mind's totally on those things. And I want my mind to be on those things. But I notice how Paul begins the passage. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. So come on now, this is 11 o'clock. I'd expect that from 9 o'clock. A little. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. There you go, always. Not once in a while, not when you feel. Rejoice in the Lord always. And most probably this is understood to be a rejoicing that's sort of welling up from inside, sort of this happiness, and yet it's interesting. In Paul's day, they would have seen it a little differently. When, when those in Philippi received the letter from Paul and they read this part, they would have instantly thought of a public expression or celebration, something demonstrative. That's how they would have saw rejoicing. In fact, Philippi was, was a, a really celebrative city. They had many festivals, and they would celebrate their gods, and they would celebrate the founding of their city, and they would celebrate Caesar, and all these parties would be thrown. And Paul's encouraging followers of Christ to really celebrate the Lord. Like when we gather together, there's, there's sometimes when we sing a certain song together as a church family, you can just feel the energy in the room. It's like just exploding. And, and, and that's what Paul's sort of image is of our rejoicing in the Lord, to, to understand who he is and how profoundly he loves us to the extent that it's not just this inward joy, but it's this inward joy that just sort of bubbles out of us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Celebrate him. Be focused on him. And there's three main things that really come out of this celebration of the Lord that Paul writes about. First of all, he writes, he says, look, when we're really rejoicing in the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord always, there's a prayer that overcomes anxiety. And then he says, when we're really celebrating the Lord, there's these patterns of thought that, that, that celebrate God's goodness. And then lastly, a life that embodies the gospel. So as we rejoice in the Lord always, there's these three sort of outcomes of our rejoicing. But I want to focus on our time remaining on the, on the prayer that overcomes anxiety. He said, when we rejoice in the Lord always, there's a prayer that overcomes anxiety. And I want to say this, to exchange worry for peace, there's really something we need to understand. And that is this, if, if we, can, we cannot remove worry until we exchange it for something better. We, we really can't. We, we really can't remove worry until we exchange it for something better. Imagine not worrying about anything. I mean, it seems like an impossibility. I mean, we, what, we have worries at school. We have worries at work. We have worries at home. And, and yet, when we, when we look at this, even Scripture instructs us that on this side of paradise, there's no guarantee against hard times and suffering. In fact, there's many times where I'll talk to a new believer, and I'll say, how's it going? How's your journey with Christ going? And they'll say something like, you know, it's going okay, but I thought everything would be easier. And I go, why did you think that? 
And we talk about it a little bit. And I realize a lot of the reason they haven't really realized it's not going to be so easy is because they haven't read the scripture. Because Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. I know you memorized that one. That's the one you put on your fridge, isn't it? The second part's really cool. He says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Isn't that good news? But he says, look, you're going to have difficulties. Things are, things are tough. The world around us is sort of chaotic. But even though the world is in chaos, it doesn't mean God's not in control. In fact, the scripture tells us that, that God holds the world together. But if he were to like, remove his, his divine control over everything, that it would all cease to exist. Think about that. So we may not see God's hand at work, but his hand's always at work. He's always in the midst. So Paul encourages us to present our worries to him in prayer and turn our thoughts to him. Again, we're not promised the absence of chaos this side of paradise, but we can be confident that God's ultimately in control and that he always hears our prayers and answers them according to what will bring him glory and bless us and benefit others. I remind myself often, I say, Lord, I know you're good, and so you only have good in store for me. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean that things are easy. <laughs> doesn't mean I don't go through tough times. It just means that he is faithful. One thing God can't do is fail. <laughs> and he's faithful to us. There seems to be a principle here. Worrying less begins with praying more. Now, I want to clarify that a minute, because in our American mindset, more always means like, like longer. And so when I say the principle there is that, that, that worrying less comes with praying more, I don't mean longer prayers. You know, I'd worry less if I just prayed another hour. Not that it would hurt any of us, but I'm just saying, that's not what I'm saying here. What I mean is, is that when we worry, each time that worry creeps up in our life, we bring it to the Lord in prayer. We don't wait. We don't put it on a to-do list to do later. The worry comes up, and what do we do? We go to the Lord and take it to him in prayer. Think of it this way. Worry or peace is a decision really partly made by where we choose to allow our mind to dwell and wherever or in whomever we place our trust. And so many of the things I worry about, I worry because I don't see how I'm going to make it through it. I don't see how I'm going to find a solution. I don't see how I have the strength. Are you seeing a theme here? I don't see how, how, how I'm going to come up with the plan. But when I remind myself I don't have to because God is in control, things change. Like he has the plan. He has the power. He has the strength. So exchange worry, we must come to realize that there's a better, there's a better option found in God who's all-powerful and available to us. So after we come to this understanding that in order for us to get rid of worry, we've got to exchange it with something better, then there's something we need to do. We need to ask the Lord, ask the Lord to exchange our worry for his peace. We need to bring our concerns to the Lord, no matter how big or small they may seem to us. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. If it matters to you, it matters to God. If you're a parent in the room, you know how true that is. That if it's on your kid's mind, it's on your heart. If they're wrestling with something, you're wrestling with something. Isn't that the truth? I wasn't prepared to, to really understand this until my, my kids started to get older and all of a sudden I started to realize that, that it wasn't about me. It was like so much about them. And when they were going through a tough time, I was going through a tough time. Parents, you've been there? 
when they have joy, you have joy. Like their success is greater than any personal success you've ever had in your life. Is that not true as a parent? But my goodness, when they go through a tough time, is it not harder than anything you've ever gone through? And that's us. And the reason we see it that way is because we're limited. We want to do when we can't. Isn't that the truth? How many of you would make life perfect for your kids if you could? Right? Now, the reality of it is they'd be screwed up critters at the end of life. But, right, because we learn through the crucible of the toughness, God being a good father understands that. So he allows us to pass through the difficulties, but he does it by giving us the strength and the ability to trust in him. He prepares us. He strengthens us in the midst of these things. And so here's this amazing thing. We, we come to God in prayer, and we ask his spirit to fill us with faith, trusting in the Lord, which means that God's peace then, and by the way, not a stoic lack of concern. Peace isn't looking at the world and going, there's nothing to worry about. There's no, no difficult things out there, because there are, isn't there? It, it's not, it's not a, a stoic lack of concern, but a deep peace amidst life's storms. And, and it says that, Paul writes that it will guard, that his spirit will guard our heart and mind, like a squadron of soldiers looking for something of, over something of profound value. I love that word imagery, a squadron of soldiers. How many times in my life has the Holy Spirit warned me when something was ready to attack my peace? When, I, when, I, when I'm allowing worry to creep in. And here's the reality, that even in my trusting of God, I need to ask him to give me the power to trust him. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Lord, I, I want to trust you. Help me trust you. Like being honest before him. Instead of saying, Lord, I trust you, and him going, I don't think you do. Ever been there? No, no. Be honest with the Lord. Lord, I want to trust you. I need to grow in trusting you. This is bigger than me. And God, you know it's bigger than me, but it's not bigger than you. Help me grow in my ability to trust you. And as we do that, say, then, Lord, help me if I trust you, be able to give you my worry. Let me be able to give it to you. And here's the reality. Remember when I said that, that really at the basis is this principle that more prayer sort of leads to this greater peace. It's not longer prayer. It's more prayer in the sense that how many times have I found myself, and maybe you found yourself there. Maybe it's just me. But I've given God worry. I said, Lord, this is what I'm worried about. I, help me trust you. And I feel his peace, and I walk away. And then later, I steal it back. Ever done that? And the worry starts to creep in. And, and yet Paul writes that the Holy Spirit guards our heart and mind. And the Spirit warns me and says, look, you took that back. Sometimes I steal it back, and I don't even know it. It just sort of creeps in. And you know what I do? Lord, <laughs> I took it back. Will you, will you take it? Can we exchange again? And you know what he does? He exchanges it again. There are times where I've done that many, many, many times over. I've taken it back and give it back to him. Take it back, give it back to him. And I pray, Lord, help me trust you more. Help me really give this to you. And I've had people ask me, how many times do you do it? Every time you need to. That's the good thing about God. Every time we need to give it back to him, give it back to him. Grow in it. Let the practice of his peace become a part of who you are on a regular basis. But it's through humbling ourselves and coming to him and realizing, you know, God's peace isn't like the world's peace. In fact, Jesus says this in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. That God gives us his peace. It's not our peace, it's his peace resting in us. 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ's peace is found in the confidence and courage that comes from, from believing that we're indwelt by the very Spirit of God. And, and an essential trust is that, that even in our trusting again, we're dependent on him. God, help me trust you. John Wesley often prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, evermore give us this peace. Now, why would he pray, evermore give us this peace? Why not just pray, give it to the peace, give us this peace? Well, evermore, because it's got to continually be given to us because we have to continually trust him. See the exchange there? Worry about what? Nothing. By the way, in the, in the Greek, it means nothing. <laughs> nothing. Now, why do we not worry about anything? Because we're learning to trust God and God's in control. We know we're ultimately victorious in him and that he has all this. And, and yet there's times where, we, where if we were to be honest, we, we, we don't really trust the working of the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit because he is both holy and making us holy. It's the work he does in us. What does it mean to make us holy? Making us like Jesus and his character and his love and his purpose and his priorities. And when we become more like Christ, and then we understand, well, wait a minute, it's his peace in us that's reigning. And that's an important game changer. Because if it's my peace, I know my failings. How about you? I, I, I know I'm not perfect. You may not realize it, but I'm not. I know you may think you are, but you know the person next to you isn't, right? We're, we're not. And so if it's my peace or something I manufacture, I can't trust in that. But it's literally God's peace. And he's perfect. What did I say? The only thing God can't do is fail. He's faithful. His peace is perfect. And so when that peace drifts from me, it's not God who's moved, it's me. And so I come back to him and I say, Lord, take this from me again. Teach me to trust in you. Again, where's the peace found? True peace is not found in positive thinking. I've heard people say that. Man, if you just have a positive mindset, everything's going to go okay. It's just not true. You can go into a day and say, there's not going to be a problem in the world. And you know what? You're not in control of that. You may go into the world and say, you know what? I'm only going to bring peace into conversations. But you know, there's other people in conversations who may not be thinking that way. It's just the way it is. So it's not in positive thinking. It's, 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 it's not found in the absence of conflict because on this side of paradise, we're going to face conflict. It, it, it's, it's not in mere good feelings. The peace God offers comes from the Lord and trusting that he's in control. And as believers, we need to be mindful that our future is secure in him. Our destiny is set. Our victory is ours. So we can choose to exchange worry for peace. That's in our power. We can choose by the Spirit's power. We can choose to exchange worry for God's peace. But we got to understand that in order to remove worry, we got to exchange it for something better. Then we got to do something. We need to ask the Lord to exchange our worry for his peace. I mean, this gift of God is immense. We bring the things we can't control and are worrying about. And he takes the worry from us and fills us with his peace. And then we know he's in control. He's at work. He's providing this ultimate victory. That's why this insight that God gave to Isaiah some 2,700 years ago about who Jesus is, is so profound. That of all the titles, he's the Prince of Peace. Not only the bringer of peace, but the but rules over a kingdom characterizes peace. Christ has come. He's provided our salvation. And, 
And as our Prince of Peace offers us this amazing peace that we'll experience in fullness or in paradise with him. But we can experience it in the moments of our life today. In fact, our prayers should be, Lord, help me more and more live and embody your peace. Not worry, your peace. And by the way, worry and peace can't coexist. So Lord, take this, fill me with this. Receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Receive this peace. And as we continue to enjoy this Christmas season, that's my prayer for you. This everlasting peace may it fill our hearts and lives. Don't worry about what you bring to God. Rejoice in him and receive his peace. We sang a song. It's actually one of my favorite Christmas carols. Uh, I heard the bells. Uh, Elijah led us in this beautiful, beautiful rendition of it. And it was written, actually, as a poem before it was ever put to music by Longfellow. And Longfellow, a couple years before he composed that poem, he had lost his wife in a tragic fire. So he was no stranger to heartache. And it was Christmas time, and he got a note. His son had, against his advice, joined the Union effort in the Civil War. He had risen to, to lieutenant in the Union Army, and he had become severely wounded. And he had gotten a letter. Only two years after losing his wife, this letter, his son severely wounded. They weren't sure if he was going to make it. And he, he writes this poem. It's, it's from his heart. He hears the bell ringing, and his first thought is, where is God, you know? This world's a messed up place. There's heartache. There's times where it doesn't seem like there's hope. And then what does he do? He really, when you think about it, rejoices in the Lord for a moment. He says, but wait a minute. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. He's present. He's working. I may not see it, but Almighty God isn't taking a break today. And then what does he say? I hear the bell so loud and clear. (laughs) And I just, my prayer for us this morning, no matter what we're going through, is that we'll hear the bells loud and clear. God is not dead. He cares. He's present. He loves you. You say, Craig, how do you know he loves you? I say this almost every week because it's so important I say it. Not simply because he told us, but because he showed us. That we come at this Christmas time to celebrate Jesus Christ who, who humbled himself, the scripture says, and took upon his divinity humanity. Born in such modest means in a stable of all the places. Lived a perfect life so that he could die for our sins and be resurrected for our salvation. And he says, come to me and let me fill you with that same resurrection power. Exchange your worry for peace. So wherever you find yourself this morning, whether you're here in the room online, Hopewell Campus, know that God is present. He is working and he wants to, this Christmas, do a gift exchange with you. Give him your worry. Let him give you his peace. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the peace that passes all understanding that only comes from you. Thank you that we're able to exchange our worry for peace. What what an amazing opportunity that is. In order for us to do that, we, we truly do need to understand that that we have to exchange our worry for something much greater and we have to do something. We, we literally have to come to you and humbly admit that even in our trusting, we're dependent upon you. 
to humble ourselves and, and, and understand not only that you're present, but that you love us, that if it's on our mind, it's on your heart. But it's something that concerns us. It's something you're willing to do something with. Lord God, thank you for coming and, and for loving us so much that you would humble yourself and take upon your divinity, humanity, that you'd be born in a stable, die on the cross for our sins, resurrected for our salvation. And again, invite us to, to live this life where we're never alone, but you're always with us. I pray if anyone, Lord God, whether in this room, online, Hopewell campus, Lord, if they've yet to receive you as Lord and Savior, that in the quietness of their heart, even now, they say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for being resurrected for my salvation. I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. And God, as we make that decision, there's going to be other exchanges that we've already looked at and are going to look at that we're able to make because we're your children. And so, Lord, I pray where there may be worry that was brought into this room, that at this moment, Lord God, that that worry be laid at your feet and replaced with peace. And, Lord, that we would be alert enough, humble enough, honest enough to continue to lay whatever that is at your feet as often as we try to take it back. And, Lord, we truly, as we gather here, want to keep Christmas which literally means the celebration of Christ. We thank you for your love. We thank you for gathering us here together, for meeting with us in such a powerful way. Lord, as we scatter across this region, may we be ambassadors of your peace in every situation we find ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.